Blog Talk Radio. Here. I only met him one time, 
and I met him at Ruby Tuesdays in Southington. And Ruby Tuesdays in Southington is maybe maybe 10 minutes from ESPN. A friend of mine was bartending, and at the bar is where you get the takeout orders. And so I'm sitting there with, with uh, Walter was his name, and Walter was like, um, T, he even called me T back then. This was years and years ago. Um, hey, you know, Stuart Scott's coming in. He comes in every once in a while, and uh, he may have a drink before he goes home, or he may order um, food to take home. He orders some food. Uh, you know, I'll introduce you. And I was thinking, wow. You know, and I, I don't get starstruck, but, you know, Stuart Scott, booyah, you know, Stuart, Stuart Scott. Yeah, man, I want to meet him. He comes in, and there he was. And, he, you know, he came in and got his food, and he, and, and he saw me, and he just said, what's up, brother? And I said, how you doing? And he said, good. Now, this was before he was even introduced to me, you know. And then Walter said, I want to meet a good friend of mine. This is uh, uh, Terry, and uh, Terry's, you know, Stuart. And uh, I guess he went by Stu because he just called me Stu. So I'm not sure if he went by Stu, but that's what he told me to call him. And he gave me a brother handshake, and uh, we chit-chatted. I, I got to be honest, I don't really remember what we chit-chatted about because it was so long ago. But I remember walking away, and I remember saying to Walter, wow, like, He's the same dude. You know, like you got that same vibe that you got watching the most sports center. Like the whole sports center thing isn't an act. It is that's it, the genuineness and the way he connected, that's that, that that stuff was real. Like that's who he was. And I was always impressed by that. And I always carried around with me wanting to be that way with people. Wanting people to see me and meet me and, and no matter where they see me, no matter where they meet me, they always think this this is the same guy. This is a genuine, warm guy. And I've tried to emulate that in my life, not just uh, in my job, but in my family, my friends, everything. I've always tried to be warm and just accommodating and, you know, that guy. And, and some of that, to be honest with you, not all of it because you know, I have other influences in my life, but some of that was from that one meeting, that one meeting many, many years ago with Stuart Scott. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, when I heard he passed. I shed some tears. I mean, I mean, that's how it hit me. It was like losing a brother, but not my brother, like my brother, but it was like losing someone that you had like a bond with, you know, the familiar face of ESPN. And, you know, you turn on ESPN and you see Stuart Scott there and it's like comfort, you know, it's, you know, now they got so many people on there. You never know who's going to be hosting sports center. Um, but anyway, I don't want to hog up all the time to talk about this. Uh, let me bring on JB and let me bring on Dr. Train, and um, hopefully I left them something to say. But uh, JB, Dr. Train, welcome to the Madden Voice. Big T, Dr. Train, how's everybody doing? How old, everybody? <laughs> Dr. Train, we got you. Dr. Train, calling Dr. Train. Oh, sorry. What's up, fellas? <laughs> oh, wait, what's happening? Hey, um, I wanted to give you Happy both New a Year, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I wanted to give you both a minute, um, maybe JB first. Any thoughts on the passing of, of the great Stuart Scott? I'm glad you put it that way because, um, and thank you for, to, to uh, explain where you met him because you could tell in the air he was genuine. You can tell that this was who he was. This is this is this is not a, a game that and um I remember watching him when he first started and as the nineties progressed, continue to watch him late at night because of one o'clock in the morning is when they do a fresh sports center. 
you to be on there with Rich and when someone grows on you after a while and you to see them and you really take a, a warm liking to them and an affection because you can relate to them and when this happens, yeah, it hits you and and I'm glad you said you shed a tear because I did too. And I had to catch myself on the way home yesterday because I was thinking about it and I was like, dang, I'm not even gonna see him on the sports center anymore. I'm not gonna see him on NFL Live or or, or the NBA Finals or or uh, the uh, Monday Night Countdown or when they do live at the at the stadium. Because you seem a real genuine guy. When you find someone that you can relate to that's genuine, and and he was able to break down those barriers, and and, and his brother, you 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 feel it hurts a little more, it stings a little more. Um, so all that he gets, he deserves. They should have a some type of of award for him in his honor. I don't know what it should be called or, or what, but I don't know if it's bravery, perseverance, breaking down barriers, what have you, but he deserves that. He was that good, and, and he deserves all the best, and, and I, I'll be praying for his family, and um, it's 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 sad day. Okay. Are you are you moving around or in one spot? Because it, 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 I caught the train. Did you hear him coming in and out, or is it me? Uh, I I did hear him coming in and out. I thought maybe it was me, so I didn't, you know. Okay, yeah. New spot. I haven't budged. I had the the phone. I was basically frozen, so I'm not sure what happened. Right. Well, we're both hearing you come in and out, so it's definitely on your end. So, um, just just you know, be aware of that. Uh, Train. Any quick thoughts on Stuart Scott? Oh man, I probably didn't watch him as much as as much as you guys did. I was actually just enjoying your story, T. So for anybody to have, that I know personally to have met him in person and, and can, you know, tell about his personality, I think that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, and I caught myself shedding tears when I would hear other people talk about him. I, I caught Rich Eisenstiel and I forgot the other lady uh, who had to present my family, Anna Storm. I, I can't remember her name, but yes. I caught her still and yeah, that was that's her name, Hannah. Okay, yeah, and and both of those pretty much uh, got me a bit teary-eyed. And you know, I saw his his speech, his his talk when he received the uh, Jimmy V Award uh, at the Ashby's, and um, I was truly inspired by that. And it, it is it is pretty sad that he's that he's, that he's no longer with us, especially for you know something that I'm into, which is sports. You hate to see an icon like that leave. And especially that young. I'm sorry, for me, 49 is young. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't consider that old at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do, I do like his, even his his fight and his personality when he was battling cancer. To say that you know uh, he's fighting and people are fighting for him and he's not losing. Uh, I love that about him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we also have K-Star just made it on. K-Star, um, any <coughs> uh, thoughts on the passing of Stuart Scott? Uh, just that he was and forever will be a uh, sports center and ESPN icon and broadcasting icon and um, was my personal favorite uh, anchor by far. Him, him and Rich Eisen ter- were, together were terrific. 
Um, but, you know, Stuart Scott is uh, mm-hmm. one of a kind and will never be duplicated. Uh, and he definitely uh, set the set the path for many others to do their thing uh, and and uh, show their personalities. But, yes, Russ and Pete, Stuart Scott, and a great broadcaster, but sounds like a much better man than even even as he was as a, a sports center anchor. Yeah, and I, and I think it's only fitting. Um, you know, I tried to think, what is it that we can do tonight? And, you know, I, I was going to get the, the speech from the, uh, the SB Awards, um, and I was like, yeah, everybody's heard that. You know, you really want to hear that again. Everybody's heard that. It played it to death over the last couple of days, and fittingly so. But, you know, I thought, no. Um, and then I, what I really was going to get, which I thought was really good, was if you were watching, I, I actually saw this as it happened, and then it hit social media and went, and went viral. But Rich Eisen did the Colts-Bengals game and used many of Stuart Scott's yeah. catchphrases, as he called the game. Um, and uh, as uh, I think it might have been prime time, said while he was doing it, he was channeling his inner Stuart Scott. Um, it was really good. You know, it was really good. Um, so it was, it was vintage. It was awesome. I saw it as well when it happened. Yeah. No, it was great. It was, and, and you didn't really know it was coming. And all of a sudden, he just rolled right into it, you know. Um, and it, it, was, it, it was nice. So um, I thought about getting that and playing that. But um, so I'll just say this. During the show tonight, if anybody wants to, um, you know, use one of his catchphrases, just don't, just don't be dumb about it. Make sure it fits what you're about to say. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you, you know, don't be sitting up there. And then he said, I go, you know, if you're, if you're going to use one of his catchphrases, then you make sure that it flows properly, okay? If not, then just stay away from it, all right? Okay? I'm just letting you all know now that I will call you out if you slip one in and you sound like a dog on pool, all right? All right, let's 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 move on. Let's move on. But uh, rest in peace, Stuart Scott. Um, you 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 know. And 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 let me and let me just say one small thing. Um, all of the accolades that Stuart Scott received were deserved and warranted. But I do want to mention that there is a friend of mine who worked at ESPN back in 1987, um, which was six years before Stuart Scott got it. And his name was Eric Clemens. And um, I, I just want the world to know, and anybody who's listening, that as far as the color barrier go, I, I don't think we should be giving that one to Stuart Scott. There's a lot of things he did, and I'm not trying to take his, his legacy. But let's not forget others that were doing this before him. Let's not forget Eric Clemens, who was on ESPN before him, the Gumble Brothers, John Saunders. There were many that, you know, kind of blazed the trail that allowed um, Stuart Scott to, um, to, to go into ESPN. I think what his legacy will really be is the hip-hop style that he did, the way he was able to really connect. I mean, that was something we've never seen before. Now that, no one did that. No one did that, and, and those who tried couldn't do it. And, and there's no such in that. Um, and, and let me say one other thing, because I'm going to roll. Um, I have a friend that works at ESPN, and he posted on his page um, a story about when he first started to work at ESPN uh, in uh, 2003, maybe, 2004. And 
one of the first people he met was Stuart Scott, and he was, I guess, he was sort of changing his sneakers or something. And he's like, wow, here's this guy I've been watching on TV all these years, and he's sitting right here. And he was kind of starstruck, and Stuart looked up at him and said, um, hey, uh, great, another brother up in here. Hey, good luck to you, man. I hope you, you know, I hope you're here for a long time. You know, it's just another sign of the genuineness of Stuart Scott, you know, and the realness of it. So, that shit, I But anyway, all right, moving, moving right along. Um, let's start with uh, <laughs> let's start with Kickstarter. Uh, you know, we 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 we, we we sat here and we talked. Well, 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 it, 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 it's funny on one end because we've been talking about the Steelers and the Cowboys, um, you know, re, re, reuniting in the Super Bowl, and um, one team held up their end of the bargain. Um, but I want I want to ask you, in all seriousness, you know, you thought that even without Bell that you could win that game. What happened? What went wrong um, for you guys to lose fairly decisively to the Ravens? Well, uh, sloppy plays, um, mainly penalties on our end. We committed, uh, you know, over 100 yards in penalties on the game that, you know, really uh, set us back because without Le'Veon Bell, the, the thought was, you know, the Steelers match up well with them because of the receivers and, and uh, what they can do to that secondary of Baltimore. But they still would need to play a clean game to do so. They couldn't really, you know, hurt themselves like the, the way they did. And uh, between them, their sloppy play uh, with the penalties and, and stalling in the red zone, uh, it was the defense not getting off the field on third and long situations. Uh, just sloppy tackling uh, and... You know, lack of Le'Veon Bell obviously was massive in this game, especially in pass protection. Uh, and when we move the ball up and down the field, honestly, it's just more the fact that he couldn't close drives uh, for, and capulate them into touchdowns. And um, just, again, the penalties really, really hindered our efforts to winning the game. Do you, do you think Bell playing changes the game? Yes. Um and at risk of sounding like a homer, I think it's fair to say that Le'Veon Bell is a special kind of back. I mean, he's he's a Steelers MVP. It is what it is. And, um, again, uh, he makes terrific plays in the passing game, and obviously he, he, helped bring, he helps bring a safety down to the box. But his most underrated, uh, uh, you know, effort and, and addition to the Steelers is his pass protection, honestly. And, uh, you know, Dre Archer – Josh Harris, uh, Ben Tate, they did, they couldn't get it done. And I think the play that kind of uh, symbolized and was symbolic of of how much Le'Veon was needed was just the Ben Tate uh, tip that went for uh, off his hands into Terrell Suggs' thigh where he made that catch. And um, that's a play where where Ben and Le'Veon had great chemistry on, where you know Ben would move around the pocket, just dump it off to Le'Veon, and uh, he would do his thing, but wasn't there to do so, and uh, uh, the offense struggled. One other question for you. There's a lot of talk about Flacco turning it up in the playoffs. Do you think Flacco's uh, perceived improved play was also part of the reason why the uh, Ravens were able to get the win? Uh, Yes, Flacco played good. I I think people are really overblowing it. However, he had a few short fields to work with. Uh, And, you know, 
Steelers for pretty much giving them that game on the platter. Uh, the Flacco did make some plays. You know, he, he he makes much better sound decisions in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. But I really do think people get carried away with the praise for Flacco. Uh, you know, he, his play elevates, but he didn't play a spectacular game uh, Saturday night. Okay. I, I, let me remind you guys that background noise comes through very bad. loud on the air. Very Background noise comes through very loud. If you're moving around or doing something, mute yourself. Because I can hear, like right now, I can hear background noise, and it comes to our listeners very clearly. So um, kind of pay attention to that if you can. Um, Jay, did you have any thoughts on the Ravens-Steelers game? Do you think the bell was a difference? If bell's on that field, uh, maybe a different outcome? No, I mean, it's possible. He's, uh, he is a difference maker. Uh, would the outcome be any different? Uh, who knows? Uh, it, it may be, maybe not. They may have been able to squeak out a victory. They may have still lost. Uh, but he definitely is a difference maker, and he was sorely missed that day. But you cannot be in the red zone kicking field goals and expect to win. And, and that's one point that K-Star brought up that I certainly agree. Um, that would be the one I'd focus in on the most. I agree with everything you said. I really don't have anything additional to add, but that's that's the one glaring factor that I saw watching that game. Train, your pick was with Bell Steelers without Bell Ravens. Uh, you're 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 pretty vindicated with this pick. Um, so was that pick based on you really feeling like Bell was the difference with Bell? They 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 can pull this game out without Bell. It's not happening. Absolutely, it was absolutely dependent on that. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, one I saw K-Star praise the back. You know, middle of the season, he's praising Le'Veon Bell, and to get to the biggest, you know, one of you know, get to the start of the biggest stage of you know, trying to hit the Super Bowl run, and you don't have uh, a part of your trio, and you still expect to win, doesn't make sense to me. Expect, especially with um, the amount of plays and, and the percentage of offense that he brings other Steelers. So there's no way I would see them being the same team without Lady and Bell. And for me, it showed. It still was like black and white. Yeah, yeah, they 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 were relative. I mean, Ben Tate started off with a few few runs out of the box, looking like you know, looking like he might be able to do something, but um, it it, it didn't last. <laughs> it, it didn't last. Um, I actually ain't gonna lie. Look. Yeah, it was short-lived. I ain't going to lie. I actually I find myself in a, in a position of feeling sorry. I felt sorry for you, K-Star. You know, I felt like, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, I actually I can't imagine because I, I actually went through this last year with Romo out in our last Week 17 game against the Eagles and just wondering yeah. if a healthy Romo played, could we have beaten the Eagles and got into the playoffs? And I had to carry that through the whole offseason, and, 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 it, and it sucks. So. I actually can yeah. relate um, to that feeling of what what happens if if all the parts that got you there were were there, um, you know, could the outcome be different? Because you know what I think fans don't realize, I think that the veteran players realize is you just don't you you, you just don't know. I mean, my Cowboys hadn't been back to the playoffs since '09, and you know you, you don't know. I mean, maybe teams like the Patriots or who knows, maybe maybe they have a different mindset because you know. Peyton Manning and some of these guys tend to be there every year. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming. But um, I think most 
teams, you know, when they get into the playoffs, they realize I, we may I, before I retire, I may not get a chance to do this again. So I better make the most of this right now. And um, you know, Bell's a young player, so you know, you like to think that they'll have another shot, but you know, it, it is it is tough. It is tough, and I find myself feeling feeling bad because I really thought that your team had a chance to make a deep run, you know, and now we'll never know because, you know, your, your guy was out. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, that, no, go ahead. You want to say yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, um, it, there's a chance that he wouldn't be able to play at Denver anyway. So it's kind of like one of those things where, um, I absolutely Did you say there was a chance that he wouldn't make a difference anyway. No, I said that. No, he said he not have any difference Denver. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Meaning if we had oh. won, it really, if Le'Veon didn't play, we had no shot of playing against Denver and winning. Um, so what I'm saying is, if we had won That's, and Le'Veon was still out next week, it would have been in vain, almost. And um, it, it's just one of those things where I mean, I'm just trying to look at it from a best case scenario, which is you know Le'Veon didn't tear up his knee. And the future is bright for this offense. Um, ben kind of put this game on his shoulders, which I didn't think he had to do after the game, you know, blaming the loss on him and that he didn't do enough for his team to win and so on and so forth. But, you know, when you have a guy amassed for 2,200-plus yards of, of total offense for you, it's going to hurt, man. It's and It really is. And the way the Steelers play was definitely disappointing because it was sloppy uh, with the penalties and just some of the mistakes they made and uh, they couldn't afford that. But if Bell couldn't play at Denver, then whatever. I mean, it's it sucks, but it's like we, we weren't going to beat Denver without leaving. We had no chance then. You know, K-Star, you mentioned something, and I'm actually glad you brought it up because I was watching it, and that was that post-game interview with with, uh, with Big Ben. And when you see things like that and you hear it, you got to kind of tip your cap to him. Was he fully to blame? No, I think the blame could be spread amongst many different players, across the whole team for that matter. But you like it when the, the leader of your team is willing to take the blame and put it on his shoulders. And I think we, as fans at times, tend to take that for granted until we see folks like Cutler or, or at times Cam Newton, at least prior to the accident, where they hold harm and, and somber and whatnot. He stood up there, chin up, like we expect, and took it upon his shoulders. And I got to tell you. Well, I'll just add one thing. Um, I, I'm glad he did that, and I think it was the right thing to do because I think had they won, it would have been all on Ben. I think everyone would have said, Look how great Big Ben is. I mean, K Star, you would have been on here picking your chest out, talking about, you know, Ben top five in the NFL, greatest of all time. You would have been, you know, look what he did with Ali Bell, you know. And so I, I think the fact that they didn't get it done, yeah, Ben Ben does deserve to take some of the blame. I I I wouldn't give him all the blame, obviously. He didn't allow the Ravens to score thirty points. So I wouldn't give him all the blame. But, you know, this is a quarterback driven league. This is what I've been saying all year. And we'll get to Romo and all that in a minute, but this is what I've been saying, right? All things are equal. Mm-hmm. What am I looking at? Quarterback and head coach. And um, I mean, I thought, you know, no, I was saying, I thought he played well overall. Uh, you know, that play by Suggs. Let's face it, that was a great, that was a great freaking play by Suggs. Uh, that that interception. And um, I mean, he marched, he moved the ball down the field. You know, he he definitely made some mistakes. Don't get me wrong, missed some throws. Uh, but you know, that off, he was under duress the whole night. Um, and you know, when you're I don't know. I just don't think he was the reason why the Steelers had lost. Maybe I'm just being a homer, but I just, just didn't see it that way. Well, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, 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 but I think if they had won, you would have came out here pounding your chest saying, Ben, 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 Ben. So I think you have to be consistent. I think I yeah. think 
you know, when you lose your when you lose your starting running back, your superstar running back, um, arguably the best in the game. Clearly, this year there's two running backs in the NFL and everybody else. If you ask me, uh, there's other good yeah, ones, Cortez and Shady and all the other ones had some solid years, but you know, there's two backs that had over 2,000 all-purpose yards, and that's that's you know Demarco and that's Bell, and so those guys this year are on another level. So when you take that out of the out of the game, of course it's going to have an impact. But what I'm saying is I know that if Ben, you know, Antonio Brown comes out there and has 15 catches for 190 yards and Ben throws for 400 yards and they come in here winning 31 to 30, you're singing a different song about how great Ben is, how great Antonio Brown is, and look at what we are able to do without Bell. And, 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 and that might have been deservedly so had that happened. I'm looking, I'm looking at it on the other side just saying, hey, I'm going to give Ben some of the blame here too. I'm going to give him some of the blame because he put up 17 points, you know, and yeah, he, get, you know, he didn't get it done in the red zone. So. Right. He didn't get it done in the red zone. Like Jay said, you know, and you know, so, um, but, but, but that said, we all agree that Bell is the X factor in this game. There's no doubt about it. Um, but moving along, moving along, and I'm going to stay on K-Star first because, K-Star had a lot of poignant comments about the Dallas-Detroit game on Facebook, as, as well as half the world seems to <laughs> want to not give Dallas any credit for this game. Uh, I, I am, I am, I am, I, you know, I can't even find the words to describe my disgust at the hatred towards the Dallas Cowboys because of that one play. And how, how people, and I'm going to quote Dr. Train, who says it all the time, it's a 60-minute game. And yet the world is sitting here. I mean, I've heard, you know, because uh, back in week three or four, uh, Blandino was on, on, on a Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones party bus. Uh, they paid him off. There's a conspiracy. I've heard everything, everything because of this play, as if all of a sudden the refs are perfect, but then they missed this. They missed this one call, so now there, now there's a problem because they never miss calls ever, 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 ever. So now there's a conspiracy. I, Kesa, you got you got to you got to help me because some of that stuff was coming out of your mouth. Some of that stuff you were posting about. So so I'm gonna give you a chance to be clear in your feelings on the Dallas Detroit game and that and that pass interference, defensive holding call, no call. Um, you know, I, I want to be clear because I, I read stuff you posted, but I, but, 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 you know, hearing it and reading it are two different things. So your position is what? My position is uh, the uh, controversial call, uh, the the defensive holding pass experience call, was handled poorly. It was very questionable with how it all played out for separate reasons. Many, honestly, all one play. I don't really know where to start. I don't think it cost the Lions the game. However, I think it's absolutely killed, destroyed any momentum that they had at that point, uh, which is something that it can never be understated enough uh, because it's highly important, especially in the playoff game in the NFL. But it definitely also uh, took what was quite uh, possibly some points off the board on that drive as well because they were in good field goal range once it happened. Um, it was one of those back-breaking penalties. And, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be a game in which – is remembered for the wrong reasons. Uh, it was a very good game up until that point. It was 
Uh, and it still was a good game, but it, again, this is going to be a game that I remember for for the controversy that was the picked up flag. Um, it, listen, when you have when you make a call like that, and you announce it, and you know when you have Mike Pereira <laughs> coming up, championing that call, explaining that as the correct call, um, but then pick up the flag after being uh, campaigned by one Des Bryant in the middle of the football field without his helmet on, by the way, which should have been another flag. Um, then you look at, you're, you're talking about some some very fishy type activity, especially please, when it's being define, reported. It, it, it was very fishy. It's fishy in the sense that the NFL had to explain it immediately after the game. Uh, apparently, NFL contacted Jim Caldwell as soon as the game had concluded. Um, you know, when you have the head NFL ref uh, Zardine Blindo, the guy that was on that Cowboys party bus or whatever in August, uh, you know, I, I can see that, you know, they they made the wrong call by picking up the flag and that uh, it was a mistake on their end. And then you have his credibility being questioned um, based off his off-season activity. Oh, well, basically you have a huge mess. And it, it detracts away from the game. And, um, you know, and, and it wasn't actually just that one call. Now they're NFL apologized apparently for another call, the fourth down conversion, uh, fourth and six that Romo had to win with six minutes left in the game. Uh, was apparently a holding was missed uh, on a Dominican Sioux that uh, should have been called in the NFL again, just apologized for a few hours ago. They missed holding time, but go ahead. What's that? They miss holding penalties like that all the time. But carry on. Yeah, let 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 I'm a love slump finish. Um. And again, it, it just what, uh, you have NFL talking heads afterwards, basically just uh, also kind of chime in the fact that it, it, that is really seldomly seen. You don't there really isn't a play in which you can recall which this happened, uh, where a flag again thrown, um, announced and then picked up. We've seen okay, well, you know, well, flag. Well, you're, you're now you're repeating yourself. I want you to clear up the fishy part of it though. When you say fishy, what exactly do you mean when you say fishy? What are you trying to say? Uh, well, it seems fishy in the sense that they took it away after making the actual call and announcement and after uh, a, a pause in, in, in activity for about a minute afterwards. And just it, the picking it up, it just all felt fishy in the sense that it seemed as if the referees were swayed by outside influences, whether that was Des Bryant or something else, and the fact that you had the NFL immediately after the game posting, a, a, having the referee explain himself, which is definitely not uh, what the NFL does with the referees. They don't allow them to con- talk to the media, but they felt the need to immediately after the game. It just seemed like they were trying to protect themselves. Um, I'm not suggesting collusion, but I do think that they absolutely were influenced by either the, the home cooking type mentality or something else. And Matthew Stafford even, and there's a sound effect of so this, apparently it's going to be on inside the NFL tonight, he uh, and the referees didn't even give them an explanation as to why. And he didn't give us an explanation as to why, and we definitely deserve that. They don't have to give, um, they don't have to give them an explanation. They give the head coaches the explanation. Let me, let me just clear up a few things, because this is, this is the problem with, with the general public is just not understanding how things operate and jumping to conclusions. First of all, who does Mike Pereira work for, K-Star? Who does he work for? New York Fox Sports now. Okay, so who, who cares what he thinks? 
He he works for Fox. He doesn't work for the NFL anymore. If he works for the NFL now, I, I would listen to him. He works for Fox. doesn't matter what his opinion is. He's working for a television station now. That's what he does now. doesn't work for the NFL. So I don't care if he didn't agree with the clock. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He doesn't work for the NFL. What matters is what happens with the people that work for the NFL. All that did was add to the situation because the former VP of officiating says this, and I think it does say former in his title. We don't even know why it says former. We just know it says former, and he works for Fox. And all the stations now have their guy that, that review calls right on the spot and give their opinion. Okay, fine. He's entitled to it. Doesn't matter. Means nothing. Means zero. It's his opinion. Period. Second of all, let's remind everybody that these crews are assembled. This is like an all-star crew. This isn't the normal crews that work together for 16 games. So sometimes procedural things happen because these guys aren't working together. What happened was the guy who had the farthest view of the play threw the flag, announced the call. Even the headlinesman, when he talked about it, said, I stand by the call. The mistake we made was not getting together first before announcing the call. So that was the mistake that they said, yep, we should, not, we, we should have talked first and then picked up the flag. But we announced it, and that's what our mistake was. Well, that mistake happens because you've got a group of guys working together for the first time. So it's a little awkward. It's a little uncomfortable. They're Frankly, they're nervous. They're not nervous because they don't know how to ref a game. They're nervous because they don't know each other. And so, I mean, you, you know, you go and play basketball all season with one team, and then you go into the playoffs, and all of a sudden you're with a different team, and you're like, okay, well, I know how to play ball, but damn, you're looking around and it's all new faces, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to have an impact. And clearly that was a play that there was an impact. So that's the first thing. The guy who threw the flag was at least 30 yards from the play. The other officials had a better view. They got together and said, no pass interference. And I still say, when I saw the play, I said, I don't see the pass interference. And I still don't see the pass interference. It was a poorly thrown ball, and Hitchens had every right to be in that position. There's no face guarding. And all this crap about he's got to turn around, if you read the pass interference, rule, it says nothing about the defensive player having to turn around, period. So there's no pass interference. Now It does when I it comes back to the ball. The receiver comes back to the ball, though. He didn't come back to the ball. Important. Yes, yes, he, he did. He just come back to the ball. He didn't come back to the ball at all. So there's no he pass was interference. He was not trying to come back for the ball, okay, sir. He, he was reaching play. back. He made, he made no move. Ball. He made no move to come back for the ball. That you, you need to go get glasses, man, if, you, if that's what you think you saw. He made no move to come back for the ball. No, and that, that has not been disputed anywhere other than you. You're the first person that I've heard anywhere say that. Now, what I will concede is this. It is pretty clear that coming off the line, options uh, held, defensive holding. Can't dispute that. They missed it. No doubt about it. Happens all the time. They miss those calls all the time. The fourth and sixth play that Romo converted with uh, Witten, they're saying it was a hold on suit. Well, why are they saying that? Because on Monday, 
the teams can send 10 plays to, to the league to review. This is how they learn. Hey, you didn't, you know, we think this was a penalty. You didn't call it. We want to know if we're right or not. And so the Lions can send 10 plays and the Cowboys can send 10 plays. Most of the time, that stuff doesn't become public because most of the time we don't care. Of course this became public because this was a huge play. Yes, it was a huge play. But, uh, oh, and and the Des Bryant coming off the field thing, um, by the letter of the rule, yes, it's unsportsmanlike conduct. Have you ever seen a flag thrown when a player comes out on the field without a helmet immediately? I've never seen it. I've seen it during game play. If a guy is in a play and he just takes his helmet off because he's pissed off, they drop the flag. I've seen that. But a guy running out onto the field, I've never seen it. I've, and what I've seen is what happened. They went over to him, and they told him to get back, and he immediately got back. That's what happened. He was, so he was damn near the field, middle of the field. He wasn't there. He was, he was by the numbers. He wasn't near the middle of the field. He was by the numbers. And also by the letter of so law, he should have been flagged. Yeah, but, but you're saying by the letter of the law as if that's a rule that they enforce every other time by the letter of the law, and they didn't do it this time. It is, it, it, is, it is a rule that they don't enforce. It gives the player a chance to get back to the sideline. And that's the norm. And that's what they did, the same thing they always do. Hey, you need to get back to the sideline. And then he immediately got back to the sideline, period. That's the way it is. The only valid point to this whole play is the defensive holding of hitches that they missed. That happened, but it happens all the time. Now, if we're going to say that this play was so big, then what happens on the fourth and one? Why don't they go for it? They sit there, and they try to draw Dallas off sides and then allow the clock to run out, so then they lose five yards. So evidently, they didn't think it was that huge of a play because then they went to punt. They didn't go for it. You've been moving the ball on Dallas all day. They didn't feel Detroit at that time, based on their actions, didn't feel that it was a huge play because if they did, they would have went for it on fourth and one. If they felt the game was in the balance at that point in time, they would have went for it on fourth and one, and they didn't. They tried to draw down the off. That was just a bad coaching decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a football fan, I sat there and I just said, Dallas, I'll go offside and get ready for the sneak because Stafford's known for sneaks. And when I saw the clock running down, I said, this game ain't going to snap the ball. So now it's fourth and six, and they're going to punt, try to pin Dallas back in and trust their defense. The guy kicks the ball 10 yards. Oh, yeah, they're I mean, choked. I, you know, I mean, you know, and, and then, <clears throat> yes, they're saying there was a hold on Sue, fourth and six. Okay. But what a play on fourth down when you could kick the field goal and tie it because you're in field goal range. But instead, you're going for the win. What a play in the second quarter on fourth and one at the goal line. After being stopped, you run it again with Murray, go wide and score to get, to get points in the second quarter. I mean, the fact that the Cowboys are getting no credit and people are saying that the, the, the Detroit Lions got robbed is insane to me. Insane to me. And then after all of this, it's 2420, and the high-powered Detroit Lions offense 
Matthew Stafford, who was thrown for over 5,000 yards in, in, in seasons before. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, Golden Tate, Reggie Bush. Ready to go, right? Got to hit a touchdown. Two minutes. Got all your timeouts. Ready to go get a touchdown. And what happens? For well, done. Not once, but twice. They were done, dude. After that play, that game defense, was over. That ain't a great defense, right? Everybody says our defense ain't really that great. So, I mean, come on. People out there got to give the Cowboys some credit. I know I'm arguing the time here. It's just been very frustrating for the last 48 hours to hear all of the conspiracy theories and no one sitting there and looking at the full 60-minute game. I got saying I'm not saying it cost them the game. I'm not – you know, saying, oh, the Cowboys didn't make plays to win the game. What I'm simply saying is that was a momentum killer for the Lions, and it, it, it likely took points off the board from the drive. Uh, and it was a huge play. It was a, a, a very big play. And, I mean, me personally, as soon as the Lions punted the ball uh, or, or kind of showed their hand that they're just going to take the five-year penalty punt, it, I thought that for sure they were going to lose the game. was what happened. They just looked like a team dejected. And uh, Dallas, you know, was was given a new lease in life, and they absolutely took advantage of it. And, and you know, you saw the aggressive coaching by Garrett, which is partially the, one of the reasons why Dallas won and their execution of it. And you saw the conservative coaching by Caldwell, which cost the Lions a game there. Um, but, you know, I, I think what makes it just fishy is, you know, that, that report and the story about that had NFL refs are Dean Wendell, uh being off that on that party bus with Jerry Jones' son, um, and even when that happened then, and this is a direct quote from an article from August in 2014, was that several team officials expressed concern of the appearance of potential competitive balance issues given the sensitive nature of Glenda's role and his authority on matters of officiating and interpretation. So, I mean, there were let teams that were... Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> when did you know about him being on the bus? When did you hear about it? Well, it was reported back in August. No, I didn't ask when it was reported. I asked when did you hear about it? Uh, after the game or during the game. Oh, okay. Rather. Okay. I, re- I rest my case. Uh, Dr. Train. It doesn't make it, it, doesn't make it not, not true, though. I didn't say it wasn't true. It's not about making it not true. I just I guess I don't see the I point. Say, you know I what? I, I, I waited long enough in this double dutch. I waited long enough in this double dutch. I'm tired. I'm you in got there. Four. Okay. Two roses jumping. I'm in there. I'm sorry. My issue with UK Star and every other fan who not only hates Dallas but want to call it a color conspiracy is that people want to blame Detroit losing on this one play. Now, if you admitted that they didn't lose the game off this one play, well, if you're making that statement, then everything else you're arguing doesn't even matter. That's not true at all. Everything you say, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because the point is, is, did it cost them the game? You're saying, no. It didn't cost them the game. Well, if it didn't cost them the game, because that's just black and white, then it didn't cost them the game. And nothing else, nothing, nothing else matters. Cause let's, let's, look at, let's look at the facts. It was a bad call. Now, one thing I disagree with T, I believe it was a pass interference and a holding and an unsportsmanlike conduct. I call all three. <laughs> so they could hit him on anything. They missed the ball on all of it. Okay, fine. Detroit who's been able to run the ball all game had a fourth and one in Dallas territory. 
in a playoff game. This is not a regular season game. This is a playoff game, and you have fourth and one in Dallas territory, territory, and you're only up three points. You choose to try to pull them off sides? That doesn't make sense. You put everything on the table. You continue, you continue to play like you've been playing. Secondly, Dallas was still down three points. They were still losing. People failed to mention that. Dallas was still losing the game. They were still losing they were still losing the game. So they had to they had to they had to come they had to score. They had to actually get the ball, then drive downfield and score. On top of that, on top of having to convert on the fourth and sixth, which I thought was pretty freaking sweet. I was like, wow. Detroit still had a chance to go downfield, a team that had put up 17 points in one half, three points in the second half, still had a chance to go downfield and score. And I think that's the and argument. Fumbled the ball, and followed the ball not once. But twice <laughs> yeah. on the same drive, and I, and I think that's where the twice. argument can be made. Then that that, on the same that drive. play cost them the game because it cost them the momentum, which was a huge monument. What, what, what are they? What are they? Chance? These are grown men. Oh my goodness, dude! Come on, this here's, is, here's, that play here's was, was absolutely killer. That play, that play, they still have the ball, bro. They still have the ball and, on fourth and one. You, yeah, and, you what the, and what did you, the coach do? You can't do? just argue that. Oh, it just it just destroyed them. They still got the ball on fourth and one, and they've been able to run the ball all game long. And so, what so did the now coach you're do? So you're so shell shocked. You're like a deer yes. in headlights, and now you don't know how to operate your offense. Are you serious? I mean, why did it take over? Yeah, that was You didn't. You didn't deserve to be in the playoffs if you're that shell shocked. I'm sorry. They were shook. You, 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 Listen, don't, a, you don't. That means you don't deserve to be there. Fine. That means the team that got thick skin, the team that knows what it, that, that that knows how to handle those situations, won the game. The team that can handle can adversity missed the game. The better team, the better team won. My issue when I saw your my issue when I saw your post on Facebook was. I was rooting for Dallas until then. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought Detroit was wrong. So how, does that, how does that change you rooting for Dallas? It's like saying I'm rooting for my Steelers, but we just no, got a bogus call, so I ain't rooting for my Steelers no more because we shouldn't have got no, that call. There are different levels of rooting interest. Come on, no, how? You can't rooting for your favorite team. If you want to call it rooting for your favorite team, I don't care. The root word is rooting. You were pulling for Dallas until until that call. It's, just, it's Dallas' fault that the call was made. They just played, bro. Listen. They were just playing. The referees screwed it up. Preach. So you stop rooting for a team because the refs screwed it up? Preach. That makes absolutely <laughs> no <laughs> sense at all. Preach. Listen. Listen, Stickler. Here's why. It makes absolute sense. Because you can root for a team. You can poll for a team because you want to see the better matchup. You have self-interest, so you pick that team to win like I did. I mean, we all did. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. you can have low levels of, of polling for a team. 
certain levels or certain degrees to it. It's not as black and white as you suggest. Saying that me rooting for the Steelers is comparable to me rooting for the Cowboys because I was pulling for a team uh, is pretty ridiculous, but uh, I guess you can have at that. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, but it, K- it, it kind of, K-Star, like, K-Star, killed K-Star. the game. It was such a great game, and but then K-Star, that happened, K-Star. it was just like, oh. K-Star, Trey's point on that is very simply this. Let's assume that everything you're saying is correct. Momentum gets killed, bullshit call. Wow. The players didn't do that. The coaches didn't do that. The fans didn't do that. That was the rest that did it. So why is everyone beating up on Cowboy fans? Why are you saying, oh, I was rooting for them, and then after that call, I stopped? We had nothing to do with it. I'm watching the game just like you are. Dude, what you should have to apologize. Is. I'm not killing you guys. Listen, I said this before. Well, you're not. There's no honor. There's no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no honor in losing a playoff game you know, with your integrity. I would much rather a call go my Steelers' way and get a win and, and, you know, people bitch about it than go the other way. So, I mean, I don't think you guys should have to defend it. I just think that, let's be clear, it was a huge swing in the game and momentum in there were a lot of had a profound game, effect on it. Right. But that, but was, that wasn't the only one, man. You played there were a lot of for 60 it. minutes, we, man. We there know were that. a lot but of what do you think, things that happened. What do you think this game will remember, be remembered for? Here's here's the one thing here's the one thing that I that, that, that annoys me about that is that on this show and in every aspect of my life, I don't just watch TV and be like, Yep, they said it on TV, so that's right. I'm not that guy. I just do what the public what the overall public will remember the game for. I know football. And that's the reason why we're able to come on this show and talk the way we talk because we know football, and we know that one play does not cost you the game. If that was the case, if that was the case, then the first team that came out of score would win. Let's um, get JB in here because JB hasn't had a chance to, to say anything, and I don't know what's left, but want to give him some airtime on this topic as well. Oh, there's, there's plenty left. There's plenty of meat on this. <laughs> A <laughs> lot, of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of meat left on, on, that, on that chicken bone. That is not Stuart Scott. That's actually Commissioner T. Um, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to give me a bite or two because, first off, let's clarify something. With Des Bryant coming onto the field, that's not a clear cut on sportsmanlike conduct. That's up to the discretion of the referee. No, it is up to the discretion I have of the rule. I'm glad you brought that up. Rule, rule 12, Section 3, I'll read it right for you. Article 1 prohibits removal of a helmet by a player in the field of play or the end zone during celebration or demonstration or during a confrontation with a game official or any other player. Dean Bland, just for the record, Blandino came out. You want to you want to you want to believe Blandino on one thing and that he specifically addressed the Des Bryant thing and said that the the penal, that there was not that was not a clear cut on sportsmanlike conduct. That that was just what Jay is saying. Blandino this, said. So this, this is what the rule says, and Blandino is not credible. He's not. Oh, he ruined that in August. Sorry. Oh my God. He needs to go. No, he needs to go. And and, 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 and wait, wait, wait. And, and and when did you find out that Blandino was on the bus with the Cowboys? Sunday. But now all of a sudden he's not credible. Okay, Jay, go ahead. I'm gonna give you back the floor. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Thank you. I prefer pepper instead of the salt on my doggone chicken. Thank you. You got anyway. 
As I was saying, it is up to the referee's discretion. If you want to call pass interference, fine. If you want to call holding, fine. That's all well and good. But folks need to understand, there's a lot of times during the game where the momentum is going to shift back and forth. No one here has said that when Dallas got the turnover deep in, in Detroit territory, it was driving, only needed a few yards to get in the end zone, kick a field goal, and missed. Nobody said anything about that swing. You're going to tell me that's not crushing? That's not detrimental to one's uh, momentum? That should have killed him. It should have been lights out right there. Did it kill him? No. I don't know if y'all was really watching, but when they had that touchdown pass, Romo to, uh, uh, what's his name there? Uh, the rookie, William. Terrence Williams. Williams. For a 70, yeah, Terrence Williams, 76-yard touchdown. Momentum started. Momentum started to change right there. That's where you start to see the momentum shift. Detroit had plenty of times after this whole fiasco with the penalty to make up for it. They could have went for it on fourth and one, chose not to. Punter kicks a, a 10-yard foot. That's on the punter. Dallas didn't do anything there. Detroit could have stopped them. They didn't. Detroit had the opportunity to score when they got the ball back. They didn't. But we know this already. Dallas was the better team. Dallas was the better team, and that's why I think it ended up costing them the game in the sense that Detroit needed something like that to go their way. And because Dallas is the better team, hey, hey, of course, hey, 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 sir. Hey, sir. Can you let Jay finish? I, I'm about to break out with some dog on the rock. Your roll know it. Your mouth shut it. I got the mic. <laughs> they had their opportunities to come back. Because we've seen in, in many games eons ago and, and past, present, future, this stuff happens. It just happens. If you want to have real fortitude, you come back and you overcome. That's what a football team does. You come back and you overcome. That's what Dallas did. Jason Garrett made some more aggressive plays, uh, play calling, than Caldwell did. Dallas hey, executed just a bit better. What did you say a football team has to do? Overcome. And the Lord said you got to rise up. That's what Stuart got to That's what a football team truly does. Now, again, I don't know about y'all, but I was wondering, are we going to see another Romo fiasco? Is he going, is he going to wilt underneath the, the heat with the bright lights on? Past times, he has wilted. He did not wilt this time. So everybody wants to say Detroit got robbed and until you hit it. No, I don't want to hear that. Was it a bad call? Yeah, they missed the call. They missed it. But did Detroit have chances to overcome? Of course they did. Did they do it? No, because if they did do it, this would be a mute point right now. It would be a mute point completely, but they didn't do it. They didn't capitalize on their own opportunities. Uh, Matthew Stafford sacked. Guy uh, Lawrence, um, what wasn't Demarcus Lawrence, picks up the ball, starts running. He fumbles it. They get it back. Not only do they get it back, they get a fresh set of downs on top of it. What happened two plays later? He gets sacked again. This one strip fumble recovered by Demarcus Lawrence. This is what I'm talking about. Detroit had their opportunity and they did not capitalize on it. That should be what we discuss, not the fact that calls were missed, because that does happen. We should be thinking about the fact that Detroit had opportunities and did not capitalize, and that's why Dallas was able to win, period. Enough said. You know, and, and I want to add, third quarter, interception in the red zone by the Cowboys, and they come away with nothing. 
You want to talk about momentum. You want to talk about a team that could have fold, rolled over and died. You know, you have a uh-huh. chance to cut it to one score, and and they and they, they you know they, they didn't get in the end zone, and then Bailey, the most accurate kicker in NFL history, misses a forty-two yarder, maybe a kick that's usually it's automatic in his home in his own stadium, right? And chip shot, you know, and 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 this team continued to fight, and so if people want to be mad, be mad that you know for whatever reason, you know. Um, the, the Lions, well, they 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 kind of just well. We just uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bullshit? Bullshit. We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah, the Cowboys exactly. are a better team. They well, are I'll take the Cowboys for a reason. Well, yeah. But but I, I just I think that while you came to the end of the journey, your path to get there is not is not is it, 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 flawed with, with imperfections. You know, the past <laughs> the end of the journey is flawed with imperfection. You know, and you know, it's a sixty minute game. Dallas had more adversity in the first half than I had seen probably all year, maybe minus the uh, Thanksgiving Day game. Um it, it was just a very rough first half for them, you know, and for them to keep fighting and to and to stay within striking distance and for people to not be giving them a chance, you know, not not be giving them the credit where credit is due, it's just it's just irritating. And and K Star, for you who who at times I do have quite a bit of respect for, to to get on this public media bandwagon, and like K, like Train said, you know, don't be afraid to have your own opinion and not just. It is my opinion. It is because, my opinion. I don't care. Because because uh, can I can I finish? Can I finish? Thank you. Because for you to sit there and make a reference to something that happened in August that you didn't even know about. Till Sunday, and now to make that an issue is is is, is ludicrous. It's ridiculous. It wasn't even no one. Yes, it was reported, and where did it go? It didn't go anywhere until oh, now all of a sudden it's an issue because of a call. But it wasn't an issue through the whole football season, and now all of a sudden it's an issue. You've got to be smarter than that, Case. Oh, come on, really? The coverage on that. Hold on. When that happened, they should have removed him and back in August. The coverage on that was underwhelming and under-reported under, uh, in the media. That should have been more of a big thing. That's a big deal. I don't care what team that is for or who, you know, what team butts you're on. That's a big deal, man. So he you're right. Right. was unaware of it. was unaware of it. Hold on. Let me, hold on. You, hold on. Someone told me what my opinion is. Let me explain it. It's not that, I mean, when that happened, you know, it should have been made a bigger deal than what it was. You're right. I did not know about it until it after the fact. Yes, and absolutely is a big deal, and I still hope the guy gets canned because that is ridiculous. And, you know, when you look at the article when it was released, there were some teams uh, from separate NFL teams that were – or officials from separate NFL teams that were worried, and it actually kind of foreshadowed a bit. Once you see it, it's a little ominous. Uh, and, you know, it, that's what makes it appear fishy in which how the call was handled. That is all. And, again, yeah, listen, but that guy Gino's be not on the field. 
Blandino has nothing to do with that call. No, he's just the one explaining. Okay, he's explaining it the next day, but there's nothing he can do about it. He can say, he can come out, he can come out and say, you know, yep, we, man, I can't believe how we screwed up. Oh my God, everything we did on that play was wrong. He's not on the field. So there's no connection to the fact that this guy was partying with Stephen Jones five months ago to what happened on the field two days ago. And for anyone to even come to that kind of conclusion, I could understand a little bit if it was the headlinesman and Jerry Jones had dinner with the headlinesman the night before. Okay, yeah, their appearance of impropriety is a problem there. I got you. I, I, I got nothing to say. Smart for Jerry, but not that's bad for uh, image. It's bad. This is, this is the head of officiating who's somewhere in NFL headquarters in New York. The game is in Dallas. What do you think? He's got a cell phone and he's calling these guys and he's like, hey, you know, make sure you ease up on these Cowboys today. Because I got to tell you, if that's the case, there was a point in time where Detroit had three penalties for nine yards. I just think it's just the, the conspiracy theories. But that, that's why I detach myself from it. I don't sit here and, and say that Pete really uh, had an influence on the game and the outcome of it. I said it makes it look fishy and that he should be canned because of what had happened in August. And sorry for him that they didn't do it sooner, but it does look bad. Um, and but obviously, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the conspiracy theory saying, saying that. Saying. What is that? What? Trainers? I just only I feel that your opinion is just clearly based on the fact that that's what the media is saying. It, how it, how can you say here to what my opinion is when I was saying it during the game that the call itself was ridiculous on the field and fishy, but then it happens to compound itself and manifest into something bigger when you have these things happen, when you have the NFL having the referee explain himself to the media, which they never, ever do. You wanna, and then additionally, you wanna, you wanna having the Supreme Court story comes out. You wanna, so I'm saying that's what makes it appear more fishy. And, Dude, it's know, not the witch crowd. What I was saying is, as soon as that happens, you, you want to check want. my timeline, look at when I posted it. This helps okay, you with the crowd, one bro. person talking at a time because I can't hear what either one of you are saying. Train, train, make your point. Man, at my point, all I'm saying, this just helps you go with the crowd. I don't feel your opinion is genuine. I don't, I don't feel that you researched this yourself and this is how you feel. I feel that you roll with the crowd. <laughs> this is what the crowd is saying. That's my personal opinion. And K-Star, I still don't see the connection to Blandino being on the bus and what happened on the field Sunday. They're two separate issues. It's, it's, it's not that. It's the fact was, that he, Blandino, was the one explained it the next day. And, the, and, and I understand that. Because he shouldn't be a man with that job is what I am saying. And it, because, because NFL didn't handle it and Gazelle didn't handle it back in August, it's now compounded itself and made itself worse because but of what had happened not, on the field. K-Star, hear me clearly. You're not hearing this. I understand. I'm, I'm speaking fluent English. The fact that on Monday he's explaining anything has nothing to do with him being on the bus five months ago. It's apples and oranges. You're adding something. Because the media and the fans are saying, oh, he must be in Jerry Jones' pocket. Yet no one has common sense to sit here and say, well, how could that be if this guy's in New York and these refs are on the field in Dallas? This guy had zero to do with the call that was made on the field, period. Not, I don't give a damn what he's doing. When, I'm not, no again, I don't know how many times I – 
I I don't know how many times I need to say it. I'm not saying that he influenced the call on the field. I'm saying that he should be the guy justifying what happened on the field on Monday. It's his job. But he should have had that job. That's my point. That's my point. Okay. Well, you didn't think that before wow. Sunday. You didn't think that all year. Because it was a report. The media failed to cover something like that that was that important. Because it wasn't a big deal. It only became a big deal because someone made it a big deal because of social media. If it was such a big deal, did we know about Ray Rice? We sure did. Did we know about Adrian Peterson? We sure did. Did we know about Ray McDonald? We sure did. Why? Because those were big deals. Did we know about this? No, why? The media deciding well, whether something not is a big deal was a big deal. It was something that was underreported and should have been at the time. It should have been reported because K-Star says it should have been reported. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah because okay. that is something that is issue of I mean, that's a big yeah. deal. And, and guess what? And guess what? Had the call been uh, – had the right call been made Sunday, we wouldn't be having this conversation, and you would have still not known, and you would have not had an opinion on this because you wouldn't even have known about it. Because it wasn't a big deal. And that's not my fault. Well, it's not a big deal. No, I mean, if it was, if it was, a, if it was a big deal, we would have known about it in August. You don't think, K-Star, you don't think that's a big deal? You don't think that's a problem? I don't know. I don't know enough about why he was on the bus. I don't know. I, I don't have any. I have nothing. See, I, unlike you, I do research myself and find out facts. I don't know what he was there for. I don't know how often his job brings him to teams to meet with ownership or, or management. I don't know. I got nothing on this other than a couple of pictures of him getting off of what looks like a bus and people saying that it was Stephen Jones's party bus. That's what I got. I got nothing else. I don't know why. I don't know that it was really a party bus and they were partying. I don't know if his job is to go out there and meet with ownership no. in the office to discuss things. I don't know. I don't know. No one's getting into the details. They're just saying, oh, uh, obviously Jerry Jones, you know, must have did something Right. Right. And yet, yet, yet. Yet last week, Sue gets suspended on Monday, and it gets overturned on Tuesday. Where's the conspiracy theory there? Nothing to do with the NFL. I don't buy into the conspiracy. I just think the man should not have his position that he's holding. That's all. Well, yeah, okay, that's a separate issue than what happened on Sunday is the point that I keep saying. It has nothing to do with Sunday. Period. And I'm not disagreeing with it. It is for something to a team that, by even the media's uh, admission, wasn't going to make the playoffs. So this only happened in August to a team no one thought was going to go anywhere to begin with. And, shoot, where the hell were they for the four losses the Cowboys had? If that's the case, that's why I don't buy any of this. Nobody thought anything about it back in August, and nobody thought they were going anywhere. If somebody thought something, they should have said it then and there. His job is to report what goes on and make the explanation. If he should have been fired, he should have been fired back in August, not now. Well, I mean, Ray Rice, I'm sure, would argue the same thing, but... Well, no, I just think I think you're, the flaw in your argument is mentioning mentioning him in relation to the Sunday call. It, what happened in August? Yeah, okay, fine. You're right. It is Sunday a separate call. issue. I just and, and but what I'm trying to say is I just and I'm comfortable with this guy explaining it. Him. That's all. Oh. I understand. And, and what did he say? And what so, did he say? He said he threw a defensive holding uh, rather yeah, he than said, I can, PI. He said I can I see a defensive holding that that could have been called here. 
He said, I don't really see a pass interference because the receiver didn't come back towards the ball. And we don't have face guarding in the NFL. That's what he said. And you know what? I agree with that. I don't see pass interference. When the play happened, I didn't see pass interference. When they replayed it 80,000 times and they showed the hold off the line, I said, oops, he got away with something there. Did that hold have anything to do with the ability to catch the ball? No, but it was still a hold that should have been called. Absolutely. That's the only thing on that play. And I will say it again. Hey, it was so I also said that Des Bryant coming on the field is not an automatic penalty. That's what he said. So and we're going to believe interpreting him. The rule. He's interpreting the rule in which he's I read to you earlier, Rule 12, Section 3, wait, Article 1. Oh, wait a minute. What's this? Wait, 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 wait. So your interpretation should hold more weight than his. No, I'm saying his is incredible because of what happened in August and that he should be the one explaining it because of that reason, and that's why he should have the job because of Nixon. Look, disingenuous. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Um, at least, at least, case star, unfortunately, you're predictable. Um, no, uh, sorry, yeah. not, so are all of you. So. Because we're generally right. The Cowboys fans. <laughs> oh, the Cowboys. I know. Not even the Cowboys. I don't always put anything different. Strange, the Cowboys fan. You're a Cowboy hater, case star. What do you want me to tell you? I sat here and I give your team credit all the time. You know? You, you sit here and you, you, you always got something to say. You know? So I don't know what you're talking about. I give Ben credit all the time, all the time. Yeah, I give Romo credit. I give the I've been giving the Cowboys credit, and you know you give Romo credit. Yeah, he played great. Listen, Romo played a great game, and that's what's most annoying about it, which is the fact that it happened because it took away from the game. It's stupid. Let me ask you a question. Did you do you now? Do you now? Have you come to the dark side? And do you now see why Romo is that MVP? Do you see what that team needs from him? Do you see what I've been saying all year? You talk all year. You bloviated all year about Murray and the offensive line and Romo this and all right. And now you see what happens. Six sacks. Offensive line wasn't that good, was it? Murray, 75 yards. Not his normal production, was it? But what did Romo do? 19 for 31, 293 yards, two touchdowns. No, it definitely helps. It, I was going to say it definitely helps the case. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel was game script dependent with how the game started. But absolutely, I mean, I here's the thing. I think you and everyone else knew that once Sue was uh, ruled back in the game that they're going to struggle running the ball at least to a certain degree uh, because that was NFL's best run defense. But I mean, absolutely, they needed Roman to play the way he did because if not, they were out. I'm saying my, it definitely gave your point uh, some more legitimacy. But, but conversely, I think their big, best chance to win at Green Bay will be because of Murray. So. Oh, absolutely. I'm not the, hey, listen, Murray had 1,800 yards rushing, okay, 1,855 to be exact. Um, I'm, not, I'm not at all diminishing Romo's impact. What I am saying is Romo is that team's MVP because Romo has to deliver whether Murray delivers or not. And we saw a game where Murray struggled, where the offensive line had trouble with that blitz. Romo was getting killed. Most sacks given up all year. And yet when crunch time came, Romo delivered. That fourth and sixth to to Witten was beautiful. Beautiful. Romo delivered. And that's been my point all year is that this year when Romo needs to deliver – He's not making the mistake. Matter of fact, in his post-game interview, they asked him about what he thought of the game, and he said 
that what he's had to learn, and this is what I've been trying to tell all you guys, Jay probably already knew this, but I've been trying to tell you all these, all this year, is that this is a different Romo. And that while you guys were staying, you know, trained in K-Star, Romo has to do less because of the run game. I understand that. But when he needs to step up, this year he's stepping up. In the past, he wasn't always delivering when asked. And the reason is he's matured and he understands the game better. And he came out and said, in the past, I always push. We get down, and I want to get all the points back right away, and I put it on my shoulders, and that's when he throws the interception or has yeah. the fumble. But, and and that, they also asked too much of him previously. They had him throw the ball way too often. Well, well, I, I, I mean, I think that you go with where the game takes you, and if you don't have a running game, as you saw with Pittsburgh, then – then yeah, you gotta wing it. But that's just that's just football. But I think yeah, well, I mean, no, that's just pers- that's just personal. Let me let me let me let me let me finish what I'm saying. Romo now understands it's a 60 minute game, and he knows in the second quarter I can just and this is what we saw. He just kept at it, even though they're sacking him and they're giving him a hard time. Um, he, he he stayed patient. He took a lot of sacks. You know, he, 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 he didn't do what we've seen him do in the past, like make that bad throw or make that mistake in crunch time. He was patient and he was effective. And when they needed him to perform, he performed at the highest level. He's got the highest QPR in the second half in overtime in the NFL, 90 out of 100. You know who number two is, K-Star? Hmm. Big Ben, 78. That's how good Romo's been down the stretch this year, and that's what I've been trying to say to you guys as far as why I think, number one, he is the team MVP, and number two, I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers is going to win it. I have, there's no doubt about it, but I, I, I can make a case for Tony Romo to be the league MVP as well. So, um, let, me, let, me, almost let me throw one thing in there to piggyback off of what you're saying. The ending of this game reminded me a lot of last year's towards the end of the game against Denver where they had that shootout and Romo was trying to do too much and ended up getting picked off with less than a minute left. That same scenario could have taken place this past Sunday, yet it didn't. That's what makes me think he's a different player this year versus last year. Absolutely. He's more mature. He's, you know, he's a different guy. And um, he's going to go up and meet the man on Sunday, and let's see what he could do. Um, one last, one last topic on this game because we've we've beaten this game to death. Uh, Train, you know, you you play the Lions twice a year, uh, and and Dominican Sue, in his post game comments, was very emotional. He um, very upset about the loss, um, went into tears, and then uh, left the podium. But then he came back and finished his interview. Um, what was your – I don't know if you saw it. I'm assuming you saw it at some point. What were your thoughts on that, if you had any? Uh, to be honest with you, T, I, I, I kind of don't don't have any. Um, what do come to mind is what you said at the, at, at the beginning of the show is that players don't know when they'll get back to that spot. Detroit has been in the playoffs in so long. They haven't been this competitive in so long. And when you don't know if you're going to return to the team next year, uh, let alone get back to the playoffs, it can it can really get home. That this might be your last time to even get this far. So mm-hmm. that's probably the only thing I could think of what was going on. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with him. Okay. Uh, okay. Other than, other than that, I just say fuck it up. <laughs> JB, did you have any thoughts on the Uh I mean, football is an emotional sport, you know, and you 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 play as the goal goes. You play to win, and uh, the playoff time is when to go home. So I don't have any problem with with the fact that he showed that kind of emotion. I'm, I, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably feel the same way. Uh, but that's really about all I can say. I'm not a, I'm not a Lions fan. He comes from the back, which is good. But, hey, it, it is what it is. At least he came back and, and finished the interview. So I will give him credit for that. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And my only my only thing is, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, with all three of you, um, I didn't care. You know, he's a great player. And let's not let's not get it twisted. On the field, he's a great player, but this man has a history of of doing things on the field that don't show the type of compassion that you that you want to give him when you see that emotion. Like I want it to feel for him. One, yes, he's out of the playoffs now, and who knows? Two, probably out of Detroit, and that's the team that drafted him. So I get it. But with all the crap that he's done on the field, that was uncalled for, I I couldn't give it to him. I I had to, I had to just kind of lock up and be like, I, I, I don't care. You're not, you know. And, and here's a guy who could be in that, could be a cowboy next year for all we know. And then maybe I'll change my tune because he'll be on the start or something. But my point is, he's a lion right now as he enters free agency, um, and someone will pay big money for him, and he'll continue his career, I'm sure. But if if you are that person who goes to the podium and shows true emotion because you're disappointed in the loss and you care that much about the game, then you need to show it on the field all the time and stop with the cheap shots and the underhanded crap. Because I'm sorry, the Aaron Rodgers thing was on purpose, period. He did a shot to Jay Cutler once. That was nasty. And there's a few others that he's done. Okay, there's a pattern there. What, $400,000, $500,000 of fines for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. So if you care about this game and love this game that much to when you walk off the field in a, in a playoff loss, that you're in tears at the podium, then remember that when you're playing and play the game with that same level of respect. And then when I see that from you, Hey man, I'll be the first one to say, man, you know. And I even, and even with that, I still posted to some of the good Lions fans, you know. Train, you, you'll know Wingman from uh, our old EAFL league, and uh, he's a huge Detroit Lions fan. And him and I talked about some stuff, but he's a good fan, you know. He's a good fan. And there's a few others out there. Lance, who is also a guy in our old EAFL league, and he's another um, Detroit Lions fan. So, you know, I posted something to. Some of my Madden guys are the Lions fan. Like, hey, hell of a game. You know, you guys fought hard, and I'm not going to talk crap to you guys because, you know, they fought hard. They came to play. But Sue needs to respect the game. And then I'll give – then I personally, and I think a lot of people will give him that respect back that, that is warranted when you play like he plays and you show the kind of passion that he shows um, – that he showed in that, in that, in that press conference. Um, all right, let's move right along here. K-Star, Bengals go down again. Colts win. And really, there's only one storyline out of this show. Out of, I mean, out of this game. Um, you know, you, you, see the, you see the Bengals twice a year. Um, so, you, you, you know, you know them well. And 
do you think Marvin Lewis, who has been there 12 years, seven playoff games, no wins, do you think it's his time to go? Well, I'll say no. And the reason why I'll say no is because if you believed that uh, as an organization or as a football fan from afar, then you should have been seeing that last season, not this season. Um, I feel like this time, actually, there was a legitimate reason why they uh, should have lost that game at, at Indianapolis and did, frankly. I mean, look who they were throwing to. They had a fullback playing slot receiver and uh, was split out, out uh, on the on the edges for a great majority of the game. I mean, they were just injury riddled at the receiver position. I mean, Tyler Eifert, Jermaine Gresham, their tight ends were out. No A.J. Green, no Marvin Lewis. Like, they were just destroyed. Um, you know, so I, my, my whole thing is uh, if you believe Marvin Lewis should be gone, you should you should have been saying it last year, not this year, because this isn't the year to say it. Uh, so, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just restate this because let me make myself clear. I think that he should not be. I don't think he. I think he should have been fired last season, but because they kept him, I don't think you could just fire him this season because it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like you're basically well, going back a year just to, to make that to, to kind of correct a mistake. Yeah, but uh, let, you, me, let, me, let me let me let me just make sure I understand your point. Well, if you if you gave him if you you know you didn't fire him last year, and you felt like everything was heading in the right direction. And then you give them another year, and you make the playoffs, and you you get nothing. You don't win the division. You lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't understand why firing, based on what you're saying, why wouldn't why wouldn't he be fired? I mean, he, he you know, you gave well, him another year, and you ended up with nothing. Because I think if you gave him because you gave him another year, and you didn't fire him last season when he actually did have a full complement of weapons and was in his eleventh season then why would you fire him this season when he actually should have lost that playoff game rather than last season when they were expected to win and they failed at home? I mean, it's just one of those things where, listen, he should have been fired last season, uh, but because they committed in him and they gave him another year, well, guess what? I mean, this isn't the, the, the right time to do him if you believed in him at that point to give him another season. I mean, that game, with how undermanned they were, like – it was a very remote chance that they were going to win that game based off the personnel they had on the field because of those injuries. So you would keep them because you you would take the excuse that AJ Green didn't play, Grisham didn't play, um, you know yeah. that's valid. Yeah. And that's why you lost, and we'll give you another year. Yeah. All right, uh, Doctor Train, your thoughts. Um, you know I uh, I do agree with. Uh, most of what K-Star just said. Uh, my additional reason would be this. We fired a coach that took us 10-6, and six, bro, and um, it didn't work out. That's enough said for me. I don't know what you're going to get if you hire him in person. What I do know with Marvin Lewis, um, he knows how to get his team to the playoffs. Just need to get over the hump. But from my own personal experience, you let a tennis guy go. I just want to add one last thing as well. The thing is with the Bengals, I don't see the issue being Marvin Lewis. I think it's more of, a, of the commitment they made to mediocrity, which is Andy Dalton. I think he is the issue. He's what's holding them back, not Marvin Lewis. Okay. 
Were you done, Trey? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. JB, would you fire him or would you keep him? Um, I would keep him, but he'd be on a very short leash now um, because of the lack of success that we're continuing to see year after year in the AJ Green is a different and I think we, we may note of that during the last quarter of the season when he had missed a few games and you could tell that the defense just wasn't the same without him. Um when you go from here, if you get rid of uh Andy Dalton, who do you go to as your next quarterback? So um Case, I, I hear what you're saying about Dalton and, and T. I think I know where you're going to go, but I would, I would keep Marvin on for another year. And um, but uh, again, the, the leash would be extremely. Though. Where do you think I'm going, Jay? Yeah, my gut says you're going to let him go. In the words of McMahon, you're a fire. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just pretty much say to him, look here, Marvin, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here, Stuart Scott. Um, listen, I, 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 he, he got to go. And I like him. Um, black people um, fought to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL, black athletes, fought to be head coaches in the NFL. And on that level, I'm very proud that he's been a head coach for 12 years in the NFL. It is certainly more common today to see both, and he's one of the reasons. On that level, it's excellent. But there's a reason, you know, his job is to win games, and not just regular season games, but to win playoff games to put yourself in a position to win a Super Bowl. You're in a division with two teams that have multiple Super Bowl championships, and you've got none. You're in a division with the Steelers, and the Ravens, and both have great coaches. And if you're going to compete with these guys, then you need to go out there and get somebody that understands postseason success because Marvin Lewis just doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't have it. I get it. I get A.J. Green being out was big. But, you know, I remember two years, three years ago when the Packers had 16 players on injured reserve, and Aaron Rodgers took him to, the, to his first Super Bowl and Mike McCarthy. I mean, it can be done. I'm not saying that it's easy, but that's his job. If you're saying, K-Star, that Andy Dalton is the problem, I I got no issue with that. But then that's his job to do something about it. That's what Pete Carroll did. He he had Russell Wilson. He brought in Matt Flynn, and he said, you know what? I'm sticking with this Russell Wilson kid. We just paid Matt Flynn $10 million. Oh, well, that's what John Harbaugh did out in um, San Francisco. Got Alex Smith winning record. He said, something ain't right. This, this is something wrong. Went out and got Kaepernick. Two, three, what, how many straight conference championship games? Two, three, I don't even know. Didn't, didn't have one Super Bowl appearance. So, you know, he, he's got to make those tough decisions, you know? And, and, and it's not like mom, you know? You know? Um, he's got to make those tough decisions. And I just, I, I, I think – He's a good head coach. He's not a great head coach. And what that team needs with the talent it has is a great head coach. They need to go out there and get themselves a heavy hitter. They need to go and pay the money and find somebody that they can bring in and, and pay them, you know. I mean, you know, a, a Shanahan maybe or, or, or someone who understands postseason success. 
I just don't. I think I think waiting another year, you're gonna get what you got. You know, you already know what you got. It's been 12 years. You don't had you don't had 12 years, man. You know, you don't had 12 years. <laughs> so I, I just I, I don't see it. I mean, Jeff Fisher was in Tennessee for 12 years. Um, got some postseason success. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but that's Tennessee. You know, some postseason success. I would fire him just on the business aspect of it. Not anything to do with, you know, Schwartz from the Lions last year, I just didn't like him. Now I'm hearing his name being thrown around again for head coach. Man, oh, man. I hope not. But I like Marvin Lewis. I respect Marvin Lewis. But 0-7 in the playoffs after 12 years, he's got to go. That's that's my opinion. It's point blank. He's got to go. I mean, uh, anyway, I can go on and on. My opinion is he's got to go. Will he go? Probably not. I think they're going to stick with him another year. I think that's what they're going to do. I think the fact that Green didn't play, that Grisham didn't play, that they were undermanned for this game will give him one more year to do something. Um, and, you know, we'll see what he does. Um, cards go down to the Panthers. Uh, I don't really – there's really not much to say about this game, uh, really. I'm, I'm just kind of going to move on and get to the divisional games. I mean, that game was really – it's just simply about – the Cardinals not having a quarterback, and we all know that. We talked about it last week. We all, I believe, we all picked the Panthers, right, Train? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll move on. There's really nothing to talk about. We all we all knew this was coming. No real surprise there. Um, so let's go on to the divisional rounds and uh, make our picks, and uh, we're going to do them one at a time with some analysis on what we expect in this game. So more than just telling us who you think is going to win, but let's talk a little bit about each game. First game is Sunday at 435. Um, the Ravens go to play the Patriots. A lot of people, you know, which I think is kind of a misconception, but um, think that the Ravens have the Patriots number and the Patriots, you know, the Ravens were the one team the Patriots didn't want to play. I, I don't know where all this is coming from, but K-Star, what are your thoughts on the Ravens and the Patriots? Um, do you think the Ravens have the Patriots? Ravens have the Patriots number, and uh, who do you think is going to win and why? I think they had their number in the past tense, but this is a much different Patriots team because they have Darrell Revis and Brennan Browner. Um, and that listen, uh, the, the Ravens, in my estimation, will not be able to put up much offensive production at New England. Um, the Patriots at home this season, their defense has been absolutely spectacular, and I think that. The Patriots have heard enough of this. You know, they're scared of the Ravens narrative that keeps being uh, put on loop over and over and over again. And I think that Brady and them, while they're always motivated to win playoff games, it's going to give them that extra extra push and motivation to absolutely slaughter uh, Baltimore. And actually, pretty if that's happened, I think that they're going to have their way with them. I mean, you know, Baltimore blitzes a lot, and the one player you really don't want to blitz a whole lot is Tom Brady because, let's be real, that uh, coordinator and, and between him and Belichick, uh, him and McDaniels, you know, they come up with a good scheme to combat the blitz. And I think Shane Vereen, Julian Edelman will be uh, have are in, are in store for really big games. And I think, again, that Revis will take away Steve Smith and they're double up on uh, Torrey Smith and that Flacco will make some mistakes. I love New England to win this game. Okay. JV, your thoughts on the Ravens at the Patriots? You know, I, I like the Patriots also. I, I don't see it as much of a, a one-sided affair as K-Star might, may see. But I do see the Patriots. I, I think that 
the addition of, of Revis on that defense, as well as Browner, is going to be the difference maker. Braden doesn't have the mobility that Big Ben does, and that might be a detriment to him. Even though he will be able to get rid of the ball quickly, uh, that still may be a hindrance at times, as well as a uh, on-again, off-again running offense for for the Patriots. It, it, there may be more pressure on Brady than what he really wants to carry. But even with that being said, I think it's going to be more of a defensive affair, and I think that the Patriots <laughs> They're more apt to carry the team on the defensive side than they have in the past. And um, for that reason, and being in Foxborough, even though I read a statistic that the Patriots in the, in the playoffs are 11-1 and one against everybody except the Ravens and the Ravens, they're 1-2. They're and two. So there is some, some uh, statistical reasoning for why everybody is saying what they're saying. But I still think that between the execution of Brady and the defense that they have now, I think they'll be able to, to squeak this one out past the Ravens. Dr. Train. Oh, um, uh, I, I, for one, like the um, – I like the Patriots in this one. I think it was uh, a couple of years back in the Harbor Bowl, I, I picked uh, – I went with uh, – with the Ravens, but the Patriots were a different team then. Um, the Ravens, even though they got past the Steelers, the main reason why I chose the Steelers was because I mean, chose the Ravens was because the Steelers were without Le'Veon Bell. I, I I truly believe that game would have went different had Le'Veon Bell played. Um, I, 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 I do think the Patriots in this case are a better overall team. They have, they have a, a better defense than they've had uh, in the past. Uh, years that they've come, that they've been in the postseason. So, um, and and Gronkowski is kind of playing. He's he's kind of back in a sense. He's kind of playing out his mind. So you know, Brady Gronkowski connection back that defense. Uh, it's not going to be an, an easy game, not by a long shot. But I, I give uh, uh, New England the edge. So we got three New England, and I'm going to make it four New England. Um, you know, I, I, I think people are giving the Ravens more of a, a shot than they really have um, in this game. Um, you know, there are teams that need to stay in rhythm this time of the year, and there are teams that can take a bye and, and really capitalize on it. And I think the Patriots are that team with Brady. I think that they're gonna they're gonna come in focused, and I think they're gonna be a little tired of hearing about the fact that the Ravens have their number. I think they're gonna come out with something to prove. Um, I'm hearing background noise from somebody again, so somebody's gotta mute themselves. Um, I, I think they're gonna come out with something to prove, and you know all of this stuff about Flacco elevating his play in the postseason. Um, you know, Brady is as competitive a quarterback as we have in the NFL, maybe in the history. Um, it's almost like, you know, it, it makes me think of the Roy Jones Jr. Um, uh, he came out with the, the rap song, and um, I think he had, he didn't lose a fight, but he was disqualified because he, he hit a guy while he was down, and people said, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? He came up with a song called Y'all Must Have Forgot. <laughs> and um, probably was the only song, the rap song, even that actually wasn't half bad. The rest of them kind of stunk. 
really wasn't a very good rapper. But anyway, um, but look it up on YouTube. Y'all must have forgot Roy Jones Jr. And it kind of, if you think about that slogan, it's like there's all this talk about um, Flacco raising his gameplay. Of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting the MVP, Tony Romo even playing at the highest level of his career. It's almost like Brady sitting on his plan. Um, you know, or Peyton Manning, most postseason appearances of any active quarterback or maybe any quarterback in history. Um, and Tom Brady sitting over here saying, uh, yeah, I got three rings, bruh. <laughs> you know, and I, I think he's going to come out with something to prove. I really do. And um, I think Tom Brady, when he's got something to prove, um, is, is a very scary individual when he's, when he's on a mission. So um, I don't think this one's going to be close, to be honest with you. I, I think um, – they're going to come out fast and heavy, and they're going to put the Ravens in a hole, and then let's see what Flacco can do because that, that's my prediction. Um, so I got, I got the Patriots as well. Um, a very intriguing matchup later Saturday night at 8.30 uh, or 8.15 actually on Fox, the Panthers at the Seahawks. Um, they did play earlier this season. I believe it was week eight, and I believe this one was in Carolina and the Panthers lost, I think it was 13-9. to um, Not totally sure, but it was a close game. And so, of course, Carolina now a little bit of a better team, won uh, five in a row. Seattle's won six in a row. Um, Seattle generally doesn't lose at home. Cam Newton, um, you know, off the field is certainly a different quarterback. I, I got to tell you, I wasn't overly impressed with him on the field um, against Arizona. I saw I saw a lot of missed throws and just really wasn't what I was expecting to see from him. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, a lot of hype about this guy, but I, every time I watch him, I sit back and I say, I don't see it. You know, when I watch Ben or Tony or, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers and any of these guys, I'm looking at quarterbacks that really have a good command of the pocket. It's just something off still with Cam Newton, in my opinion. Um, he's just he's not he's he's not there. He's just not. I like his attitude off the field. I think it's improved since the accident. But on the field, there's still something not right. There's still something off. I saw a lot of missed throws in that game and some bad reads and not not overly impressed. Um, so I think Seahawks is, uh, is another team. They got a week's rest. They're on a roll. I think it's gonna it's gonna serve them well. Um, Wagner's back. Earl Thomas is back there. The Legion of Boom. Um, you know, a lot of people said Dallas is a team you don't want to play. I beg to differ. Seattle right now is a team you don't want to play, and I think I think they're gonna smack uh, Carolina around. So my pick, and yes, I went first on this one, is Seattle, and I, I don't think it's gonna I, again. Both of these two games right now, the home team, and I don't, I don't see the visiting team being within two touchdowns. Um, let's go with uh, K Star, who wants to put Cam Newton back in the Hall of Fame. So, K-Star. <laughs> certainly wasn't a Hall of Fame performance for the Cardinals. In fact, I thought he was terrible, um, quite frankly. And uh, let's be honest, the Seattle defense a bit better than Arizona, as good as Arizona's been. Uh, Seattle defense is actually a much better unit, especially at home, which is where Carolina's traveling to. I like Seattle. Uh, I, I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game, but, uh, you know, the Legion of Boom, they're absolutely going to lock up uh, the Carolina receivers, and it's going to have to be a huge rushing day from Cam and Stewart uh, to make this game respectable. 
uh, let alone winnable. So I like uh, Seattle and uh, Russell Wilson to make more plays. Okay. JB? Now, listen, if Arizona had a quarterback, we'd be talking about the Cardinals versus the Seahawks, not the Panthers against the Seahawks. That's really what was the difference with, with the game last week. Uh, and, and for this week, I see the Seahawks coming out in this one. What I saw from Cam was poor mechanics, constantly throwing off of his back foot. I mean, probably two out of every three throws was off of his back foot, which is a no-no. Never threw into it, never got any zip behind the ball, never had that that proper form. And I don't see that being corrected in, in seven days' time or six days' time, what have you. So I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. They've got history. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a defensive battle, but I don't think the uh, the Panthers are going to be up to the task. So I agree. I can see this one being a double-digit victory for the Hawks. Dr. Train. Man, you guys have said pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> That number crumbs left from that time, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much I'm, I'm going with the Seahawks. Um, I still don't think it's going to be an easy game. Um, these teams are mirror images of each other or from the sense of, um, you know, mobile quarterback, uh, good defense, not a whole lot of wide receiver targets, but they make plays. But I just think Seattle is better at it. Um, and Russell Wilson has way more poise at the quarterback position uh, than Cam Newton. Plus, on top of that, man, you know, Seattle is still a tough place to play. <laughs> they haven't been the most dominant team at home uh, this season, but it's still a tough place to play. So, with that said, definitely Seattle. Okay. All right. So, that's four for Seattle, four for the Patriots. Now we move on to the Sunday 1 o'clock game and uh, the Dallas Cowboys at the Green Bay Packers. 8-0, and the Cowboys are 8-0 and on the road, um, and they're going to play Green Bay, who is 8-0 and at home. And this is the first time in NFL history that an 8-0 home t- road team is playing an 8-0 and home team, first time ever. Um, so since, since Dr. Train – You've got crumbs on the last one. We'll go ahead and let Dr. Train go first with the Cowboys at the Packers. Your thoughts on, on this game Sunday at uh, 105. Man, this is this is the one I would have rather taken the crumbs on. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'll gladly take the crumbs on this one. Ooh, man, this is we're talking Dallas Green Bay, right? Yep. Oh my goodness. Um, this is by far the toughest one to pick through, and um, uh, I may I may flip flop six seven times before Sunday get here. Uh, but I, I, since I got to make a pick tonight, um, when I look at Dallas, I still see the same team I saw. They know how to play sixty minutes now. They have a run game. They have a quarterback that don't make the same mistakes. They have a defense that benefits from the offense eventually taking control of the game. Uh, you also have a defense that you also have a defensive coordinator that's familiar with Aaron Rodgers, uh, and I think that that's big. He understands that you have to be patient when attacking Aaron Rodgers. You can't just go at him. You know he, he don't make a lot of mistakes. 
So you have to limit. It's, he's one of those players, you know, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And that's exactly what you have to do. But I think Rob Marinelli knows how to do that. But when I look on the other side of the ball, you got you got Green Bay. Um, you got two huge playmakers on defense in Texas and and um, Matthews, and they have learned how to play together. I've seen it as the season progressed. Those guys really know how to play together now. Um, you have the bad man that is Aaron Rodgers, and as long as Green Bay, you mentioned Green Bay losing 16 starters. Well, the one starter they didn't lose all that season was Aaron Rodgers, and that was the one guy that mattered. And he is the main reason why they ended up winning uh, the Super Bowl that year. And going in at a at a, at a succeed, I believe. Yes, they went in the succeed. So, um, whew. and it, and and what well, they have a they do have a better passing attack than Dallas Cobb and 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 Nelson. But they don't have a better running game than Dallas. Their defense is also subject to the to the run. Um, but I've seen I, I saw an adjustment that they made against us to defend the run, and that was putting Clay Matthews in the middle instead of playing on the edge. And this dude was running sideline to sideline, and it worked. Whew. For right now, after all that said, for right now I'm gonna roll with the back. Uh, but I promise you that may change before the end of the week because um, Dallas is a, is, a, is, is, is a team that I feel, I'm just going to say this, I know we're not going to predict bad tonight, but I'm going to say this. I feel like if Dallas beats the Packers, they're playing in the Super Bowl. Period. I feel like the Packers is only the team left in this playoff that can beat them. Okay. So uh, I'm going with the Packers it, right now. All right, JB. Yeah, but I'm going with my Cowboys, but uh, I'm going with them because of legitimate reasons. Uh, I'm actually excited because of this being the the irresistible force versus the immovable object. Eight and zero at home, eight and zero on the road. I think that's great. I'm really looking forward to that, just from that perspective. Even if I wasn't a, a Cowboy fan, but I do believe that a couple of things. One. Maybe it's a good thing that everybody's been talking about this call non-time. Maybe that has ended the Cowboys to make them feel like everybody thinks the win was a fluke. So now they got a little chip on their shoulder and want to prove to folks that there's more to the Cowboys than just a fluke call and, and getting lucky. So maybe from that aspect, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. But also they've shown the fact that they can basically win and anybody and they can win in an assortment of ways. They can win with a with come from behind. They can win with being consistent on offense. They can win with making plays on defense. So with all that being said, I'm going to take the Cowboys by uh, probably a field goal because it's going to be a close game, but it's going to be a great game to watch. Okay. K-Star. Yeah, definitely the toughest game to pick. Oh man. Um God. Alright. <laughs> I <laughs> seriously this is this is brutal. Like the the matchup is so good for both sides. I mean Dallas I can see Dallas controlling the game here because they're off at the line and the running game. And then you can see the other side where Aaron Rodgers forces a 
quicker game. Um, that said, I am going to go with Green Bay. Just, uh, and I don't feel good about it, clearly. Um, but I'm going to go with Green Bay just because I'll give it the difference of them and being at home. And, uh, you know, it's the, listen, Aaron Rodgers is a freak. He's a man. Um, and I think that the biggest thing for the Packers is the fact that uh, their pass, uh, the Dallas Cowboys pass rush, I don't think is going to get to Aaron Rodgers quickly enough to the point where it's going to move him um, off the spot enough for him to be inaccurate. And even if it does, you know, gets him to scramble, I don't think it's going to be – first of all, Aaron Rodgers is great on the run. Secondly, I think he's going to have all the time in the world to find Jordy Nelson deep because uh, Packers pass blocking is pretty good. And so I'm just going to go with Green Bay. But I could see it going either way. Okay. Well, no no, no mystery that I'm going to go with my Cowboys. But, you know, as Jay said, I actually have football reasons um, to pick them. Um, first and foremost, I almost wish that if, if the general consensus were that the MVP voting was down to Romo and Rodgers, and depending on who you ask, that's kind of the consensus. We know that Watt's going to get some votes. We know that Murray's going to get some votes. Manning might get a few. Brady might get a few. But it seems that Romo's late-season late play elevated his image. Um, Murray's consistent year kept them up there. Um, but there's thoughts that they may steal votes from each other. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is just – he's had a great year. So um, I think the general consensus is Rodgers is going to get it. But I almost wish that we could look at this game and then, and then say, okay, which quarterback actually rose to the occasion and performed better. And I think Romo is going to come into this game focused and not necessarily to win the MVP or to outplay Aaron Rodgers, but to continue to show that he's elite, that he is now on this level. I think that's what he's um, going to do. Um, Kate, uh, I'm sorry, Train already mentioned that, you know, Marinelli's got some familiarity, but also Linehan has familiarity with that defense. Um, having having the offensive coordinator in Detroit for the last five years, he went up against that defense twice a year. Uh, now, granted, he didn't have to go with Clay Matthews as an inside linebacker, but there's plenty of film on that now. He's done it for half the season, so there's plenty of film on that now. Um, I think that the reason that the Packers may have a better passing game is because they needed to have a better passing game. I think Romo can, can do everything that with his passing game that Rodgers can do with his. I think when you look at the combination of Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, and Jason Witten, um, that's a pretty formidable four right there. Those four guys right there are pretty formidable, um, and I don't know that you could find four guys like that on any team right now left in the NFL, left in these playoffs, including the Packers. And I'm not saying the Packers don't, you know, Jordy Nelson and, and Cobb are, are, are very good, and, and Aaron Rodgers is as good as we're going to find. But I think, I think Dallas can match that on offense, and I think they have a better offensive line and a better running back. Um, the issue really is going to be defense for Dallas, and can, can the Dallas defense do to Rodgers what they did to Detroit in the second half, held them to three points. Megatron, I believe, five catches for maybe 85 yards if I'm, and no, no touchdowns, um, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, can they do that to Aaron Rodgers? Can the defense, you know, can, and can the secondary, um, you know, play the schemes properly? Can they get pressure? Anthony Spencer got pressure. 
uh, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, got back there and, and saved saved his uh, saved his career by riding a wrong that he did in Detroit. Um, you know, Crawford, uh, Rolando McLean. I don't know if he's going to play or not. It's looking like he could play, but the other problem I have is Doug Free is more than likely not going to play, and that's the starting right tackle. And uh, Parnell did not have a good game against Detroit, and it was clear that Detroit targeted Parnell and Leary um, on the right side, and that's the weak side of Dallas's offensive line, and, and that was why they had so much success getting to Romo. And they, the Cowboys did adjust some in the second half, and that's another reason why I like this team, because they, they adjust. Um, I always say it's quarterback and coach. And in in most cases, I would give McCarthy and Rodgers the nod over Garrett and Romo. But this year, I think it's it's a stalemate. I think that's a draw. I think um, um, you already know how I feel about Romo against Rodgers. I think that's that's pretty that's pretty even. Um, but Garrett this year has stepped up to become really a, a good head coach. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's not calling plays. Linehan is calling the plays. So Garrett can manage the game better, and he's showing it, making the right decisions. That fourth down against Detroit in the second quarter, fourth and one against the best run defense in the NFL, and you score. I mean, that is a gutsy call. You know, that fourth and six when you could have kicked the field goal and went for the tie and say, let's, let's stop them and go on overtime. Instead, on fourth and six, you go for it. And, of course, they executed and got it and eventually scored. You know, it, it's just things like that that I see. The onside kick that they did um, uh, against the Colts up 20-7 to 7 or 20-9. to 9, I don't know what the score was, but they were up pretty good, and then they do an onside kick. It's just things like that that Garrett's doing that have been very impressive to me, and I think that stuff's going to continue. Um, I really want the Dallas Cowboys to seize this moment. And as, as Michael Irvin did in his video, finish the fight. You know, I believe that, that there is some – I won't go on record and say if they win, they're going to the Super Bowl. Because going to Seattle and playing Seattle and beating them twice in one year is a tall order. But I think this team has what it takes. And I'd hate for them to play like they played in the first half against Detroit. Because that first half was terrible. And if you go out and do that against Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to score 17 on you in the first half. He's going to score 35 on you, and then it's over. You're not coming back. You just, there's not going to be enough drives for you to come back. So you've got to play better out of the box. You've got to clean up this game, fix it, and come out and come out strong. And I believe if they do that, and Murray can get some lanes and get some runs. I know, I know they got Clay Masters in there to help stop the run, but that offensive line, especially behind – you know, Frederick and Martin and, and Tyron Smith, they, they can get something done. I like, I like their chances. The mental toughness, the discipline they've showed this year, and the fight that they've done. Just keep fighting, keep fighting. One play at a time, one play at a time, one drive at a time, one drive at a time, one quarter at a time. We don't care what scores, we don't keep playing. It, it's really coming to fruition. So, all of that said, I'm going with the Packers. No, I'm kidding. Going with the Cowboys. <laughs> all right. Last game. Hey, uh, hey, actually, you know what? Put me in for the Cowboys. And the reason why I say that, just the more I, I'm really thinking about looking at it, uh, yeah, the, the good point about Clay Matthews, I mean, he was the reason why they stopped, helped uh, stop the bleeding in the run game. But 
I mean, relative to who the Packers have played, they didn't play an offensive line like this or running back like this really all season. I mean, Forte's good, but this is like a different style of all, of a running back and, and just pure smash mouth. And, I mean, Clay Matthews is good as he is. He's still a little smaller as an inside linebacker and still a little inexperienced. And those guards at Dallas are no joke. And you know what? You guys honestly can adjust offensively better than, better than anyone else really. Um dependent on, you know, if, if it's a game in which you guys can go up tempo, you guys prove you can do that. If it's a game in which you guys can control, you guys certainly are the best at that. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Dallas. I'm changing my pick. So pretty much what K-Star is saying is, see, because what, what had happened was, but anyway, Stuart Scott. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Last game of the day. Um, the Colts travel to Denver. And Manning gets to play his replacement, Andrew Luck, again in Denver. Denver has a week off. Um, and, uh, yeah, Andrew Luck gets to go out there and play his predecessor. So uh, let's start with K-Star on this one. Um, your thoughts on Luck Manning, the Luck Manning Bowl. I think it might be their third time playing. Yeah, I like Denver, man. Uh, I think it'll be a good first half, but – uh, the difference for me is Denver's run game taking over. Uh, the Colts aren't very good against the run. I think I felt the Bengals kind of bailed on uh, using Jimmy Hill in that ground game too, too quickly. And, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, Denver's healed up a bit. Uh, we haven't heard a lot from Julius Thomas recently, but he's had a chance to rest that nursing, uh, that, that, that ankle that's been hurt. And let's not forget he had three touchdowns week one. And that ground game's much better now. And so I like Denver to control the game and to get that pass rush on Luck, and he'll make some mistakes. We've seen it time and time again, so I like Denver. Okay. Dr. Train. You know, as much as I do like Andrew Luck, I should have changed my pick this weekend like I started to because when I found out A.J. Green wasn't playing, I knew Cincinnati didn't have much of a chance, but kind of just stuck it out anyway. But um, all I can say for Andrew Luck is just not yet. You just not yet can you take out your predecessor. Just not yet, man. It's it's. I, I, to me, Denver is a better team, better overall team. Um, as well as Andrew Luck plays, the greatest connection that he has to his uh, receiving core. Um, they are hurting at the running back position. They don't get much from their run game. Um, and their defense, I don't even know a defensive player on their on their team at the present moment. So. Yeah, um, I definitely like Denver. JB. Yeah, I'm going with Denver also. I think playing home and playing up in that mile-high stadium is going to make a big difference. I also think, and I think K-Star said the same thing I was going to say, the running game that Denver now possesses is, is, is much more consistent and better than what the Colts possess. And I think this is going to be a, a game of who can run the ball better. Uh, not so much you can throw because I like both quarterbacks. But with Thomas healed up, C.J. Anderson playing at times, Le'Veon Bell-esque, and what I mean is he's able to run the ball and he's also able to catch the ball with, with equal ability and success. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. So I'm going with the Broncos. Uh, this one's simple for me. Um, Manning had a week of rest and he's home. So he doesn't have to travel. I mean, he's 38, you know, he's on borrowed time, so to speak. You know, I'm sure he wants to play five more years. 
but he's not going to be able to with with the the, the neck and the stuff. Um, uh, this team is built to win now, and I, I believe there's some destiny in that. I don't see anything deterring Tom Brady hosting Peyton, Peyton Manning once again in the playoff game and in an in a, in a AFC championship game. I think that's the destiny. I think it's been it's been preordained for a number of weeks, and I don't see anything that the Colts uh, or the Ravens are going to be able to do to stop that from happening. Um, so I got the, I got the Broncos, of course, and Peyton Manning with a week's rest now. I think he's going to be on fire, um, and, and I think the story will be you know he turned back the clock five years, and you saw the old Peyton Manning, um, not the old Peyton Manning. So I think that'll be the story on Monday. Um, and it's interesting it's to kind of start to wrap up here. You know, we're pretty – I think we're in agreement that it's going to be the Patriots and the Broncos in the, in the championship game. And it's interesting when you look in the, in the NFC, um, the Seahawks are going to host either the Packers or the Cowboys. If they host the Packers, the storyline is one versus two, Aaron Rodgers coming into Seattle, and can he, can he take them out? Um, if the Cowboys go, the storyline is the rematch. The Cowboys were able to go into um, um, the link. I think that's what they call their field. And um, um, is that what they call their field? Oh, yeah, because Seattle called their field. Yeah, I think it's CenturyLink. CenturyLink, yeah, the link, the link I think is Philly. CenturyLink, yes, that's right. Um, and the Cowboys were able to go in there and get a win back when it made Seattle 3-3 three and three and really didn't know what – you know, you know what Seattle was going to turn into at that point, and uh, they didn't go and win nine out of their last ten and become the Seattle that everybody knows. So either way, I don't see Carolina having a shot. Um, the Ravens or the or the Colts certainly have a puncher's chance, but man, oh man, looking ahead to the conference chips and you know at the at the what we are pretty clear is going to be the championship in the AFC. And either way that it looks out at the NFC, boy, oh, boy, we got some good games coming up even after this weekend. So, um, so anyway, with that said, Dr. Train, any last parting shots? Dr. Train? Um, yeah, um, K-Star, stay out of the media. <laughs> you got your own voice, you know. You're part of the Madden voice for a reason, man. We're our, we're our own voice. But no, it's just not sure that's what you but. <laughs> but anyway, man, just looking forward to the games. Um, nothing really special. You know, Happy New Year to all of you guys. Um, uh, glad to have seen another year and, and excited about this upcoming year. And um, one day, I'm going to see you brothers in person. One day. I believe that. I believe that. All maybe, right. Maybe hey, next year we can do a Madden voice all together at one place, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice. K-Star, final thoughts? I was excited for these games. It's, uh, we can usually divisional round is kind of the craziest and honestly where a lot of the best games occur uh, this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing these games play out and uh, Green Bay, Dallas should be a special one. Okay. JB. Yeah, um, my sentiments are exactly what everybody stated. Um, There's going to be some great games being played, some high-quality games. 
looking forward to it, and um, I may play a few clips of YouTube of, uh, of those two so I can be you know, cool as the other side of the pillow, if you will. So everybody enjoy the uh, the weekend's games, and I look forward to coming back next week to talk about it. All right. All right, fellas. Well, um, Jay kind of kind of uh, preempted my thoughts, but um, last just uh, R.I.P. to Stuart Scott, and uh, you know you you are the best at what you did, and as we continue to do the show, we will keep your memory and and uh, on top of our head and, and thrive for the excellence that you demonstrated uh, week after week. We're going to try to hit those same uh, same standards and. Um, Everybody enjoy the games, and uh, instead of the normal uh, Madden voice, uh, all few settled on the field, how about I just end, end it with a very simple, booyah! Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.